You're ready for the next big global catastrophe? It's coming. We're going to tell you about it. Yeah, we already know. China keeps screwing around again. We'll have some video footage of that. And Mark Wahlberg gets it. Interesting story. All that and more coming up. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. Happy Monday. We start a new week. Supposedly, the FBI is going to deliver uh, that uh, document to Congress today. We'll see what happens. My today is already over in my part of the world, but uh, yours is just beginning. So you have an interesting day ahead with all kinds of cool news. Right now, we have all kinds of cool news about our favorite furry little friend, and that would be Miko. And the Miko update. She's doing great. High five. <laughs> uh, yeah, she she's so fast with her high five. I, I can't, I don't have shutter speed, well, a little bit, but not much control on my phone. So when I try and catch her doing the high five, she's too fast. She puts it up there. If you put your hand up, she'll smack it. But I'm trying to get the shot. So... <clears throat> yeah, it was uh, it was an adventure. Anyway, she's doing great. A couple of good walks today. She had a good time. Life is great. Look at that. Not a care in the world. <laughs> All right. Miko update brought to you by the good folks at BarkBox.com slash Miko. That's our special link. And if you use that link, like it says right there, you will get a free extra month when you sign up for a multi-month subscription. Give your dog exactly what they want. Every month, you'll get a themed box, a new theme every month, with two toys, two bags of dog treats, and a dog chew. All the edible stuff is all natural. It's good for your dog. No, no, that artificial crap in there. And if you are ever not happy with anything, they will make it right because they have a 100% happiness guarantee. You will be happy, and more important, your dog will be happy. That's not all. If you look in our show notes tonight, you know our standard link, which is BarkBox.com slash Miko. You can get the free month. However, we got a limited time free fun boy water toy. Check this out. Oh, this looks like fun. Miko would love this thing. Time to make a splash. If you use the second link, you can get this for free. When you sign up, a free Fun Boy water toy, and check that out, uh, man. That is so cool. Bark Box and Fun Boy, uh, this little sprinkler thing. She loves playing with water. It's her absolute, other than chasing scrats, it's her favorite thing to do. And you can choose. You can get that splash pad. You can do a yacht pool float, a fire hydrant sprinkler. <laughs> That's cute. And a plane pool float. So you sign up for a multi-month subscription to BarkBox. You can either get our free month offer, BarkBox.com slash Miko, or use that second special link for a very limited time offer to get one of these cool free toys. I'm seriously considering that because Miko, I don't get stuff for free either, folks. So check it out, BarkBox.com slash Miko. All right. Let's just get right into the meat of it, shall we? Uh, the next big thing, the next big thing to scare the pants off of you and get you to conform and get you to comply. This is not a story necessarily about that, but you'll notice over the last year or two, there have been more and more UFO stories the Pentagon, through the New York Times, released the footage taken from the fighter jets of those unidentified aerial phenomenon. Well, Blaze Media runs this story today, and you see how they're... If you want to put on your tinfoil hat, and you know, we conspiracy theorists are running out of work because all of our conspiracy theories are coming true. Here's my latest and favorite. This is the little leaky information, just so they soften you up. You know, you get a few jabs in, a few blows, and then suddenly you, you hit them with the big one. 
Scientists are zeroing in on mystery signals from the heart of the Milky Way galaxy over dangers of aliens finding us before we find them. Mm-hmm. Scientists taking a look at the heart of the Milky Way to determine the origins of some rather mysterious signals they've picked up. Researchers suspect the radio signals are not, not natural pulses from outer space, but could be signals from ET. Some experts warn it is imperative that humans locate any alien civilization before they find us. <laughs> Scientists say they're ramping up, up efforts to search and hunt for aliens in the core of the Milky Way galaxy. Scientists presented their blueprint for attempting to track down these odd radio pulses they've heard uh, emanating from the middle of the galaxy in a scientific paper called the Astronomical Journal. Uh, Steve Croft, the paper's co-author, an adjunct senior astronomer at the SETI Institute, said the breakthrough listen investigation for periodic special signals, BLIPS, <laughs> we love our acronyms, don't we? Uh, led by Akshay Suresh, Cornell doctoral candidate in astronomy, is pioneering a search for periodic signals emanating from the middle of the Milky Way. The research is looking to detect repetitive patterns. You know, a couple of signals here and there are one thing, but something that goes doo -doo 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 -doo, and then doo -doo 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 -doo, and it repeats itself over and over, that's not necessarily natural. And that's what they're looking for in our uh, cosmic neighborhood. Breakthrough Listen captures huge volumes of data. And uh, the technique provides a new method to help search that haystack for needles that could provide tantalizing evidence of advanced extraterrestrial life forms. You know, SETI used to have a program, and I don't know that it still exists anymore. When I changed laptops, I did not reload it up because a lot of the fun stuff was had stopped. But SETI used to have a program that would run in the background of your computer, and it would use your downtime. If you left your computer running, it would come on like a screensaver. But it would, what it would do is it would be grabbing packets from SETI of all these radio telescope data. There's billions of them. And then it would analyze them, looking exactly like that, looking for repeatable signals. And if it find anything, it would generate a report on that section of the sky that it analyzed and it would send it back up to SETI. So in fact, millions of computers like mine all around the world were actually helping in this search. They stopped that program and I don't know why. It doesn't make any sense. It, it was brilliant. I was so pleased to be a little itsy bitsy tiny part of that thing. So uh, very cool. But for some reason, like I said, they have, they've stopped doing it. All right. Uh, Substack is a a relatively dependable place to find news. And when it comes to conspiracy theories, it's a very dependable place to find those. But this is what I was talking about. We started off with that little preliminary story about scientists looking for signals and think they've found some. This is something that has been around for a long time. You may or may not have heard about it, but you need to know about it. It is called Project Bluebeam. NASA actually had a UFO slash Project Bluebeam conference, a major UFO psychological operation is taking place. For the first time, NASA held a public event examining UFO sightings. You see what I mean? They're leaking all this little information out. So when the big PSYOP hits, the big next global catastrophe hits, an alien invasion. You'll be ready for it. You'll be primed. I am doubling again, aren't I? There, I think we fixed it. I hope. Sorry about that, by the way. In our last show, I know we had a double voice. It's very annoying, but I've fixed it now. 
Anyway, Project Bluebeam. Oh, man. Unbelievable. Why does that keep... Okay. Does that solve the problem? Yes. For the first time, NASA held a public event. Government officials spotted mysterious flying metallic orbs all over the world. In addition to many other types of unidentified anomalous phenomenon, UAPs, according to the first public meeting of NASA's UAP Independent Study Team. Yes, they actually have one, and they admit they have one. Physicist Dr. Sean Patrick, Kirkpatrick, director of the Pentagon's All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, Arrow, (laughs) said, we see these metallic orbs all over the world, and we're We see these making very interesting, apparent maneuvers. There is footage. Yes, there is. Coming up in a minute. They're putting these lies in your head about how, oh, it, you know, it's probably nothing. Because they want to trick the public with Project Bluebeam. The technology is being rolled out in plain sight. They want you plugged into the matrix, ready to accept whatever crap they feed you. And uh, this is, according to NASA, a spherical orb that required more data. Check this out. There's no real sound here. There you go. You see it highlighted in the circle? It'll come. There you go. Flies across the screen. Now they try and catch up with it with the camera. And these are kind of weird looking, making weird maneuvers. Uh, One in particular demonstrated knowing enigmatic technical capabilities. There you go. They've they've freeze frame on it. It just looks like a big steel ball is all. But for the first time, NASA is actually publicly discussing this stuff. So are they getting ready for something bigger? Could be, you know, I remember there is a very, she used to be on Art Bell's show all the time. Linda, I can't remember her name. She's a very famous ufologist, ufologist, and she has done tons of research. Linda something, I can't remember. He used to listen to Art Bell all the time. I was such a fan. We miss him badly. But uh, she had an interview with if I'm not mistaken, a former astronaut who was on his deathbed. And he said all of these things, 9-11, all the stuff that's happened, the, the virus, are all planned well in advance. Now, this is the ultimate mega conspiracy tinfoil hat stuff. But a lot of what he said has absolutely happened. And one of the things he said was the final big thing is going to be similar to what they call Project Bluebeam, a faked alien invasion. And the idea behind this kind of reflects back on Ronald Reagan's speech to the UN when he said, imagine if an alien force was invading the earth, how small our national differences would seem. Uh, While Reagan had the right idea in mind, people have taken that and uh, they say they're going to use that as an excuse to usher in this whole one world government thing. Now, I know how over-the-top lunatic asylum that seems, but take a look at the WEF and what they're trying to do. Huge, by the way, massive protests all over the planet fighting against the WEF and this ridiculous Great Reset. But, um, yeah, if you take a look at what is happening with these things, um, that ex-astronaut may very well have known what he was talking about. And he said one of the final things will be a faked alien invasion and like i said in the last couple of years and it's getting it's getting it's happening more and more 
We are hearing these stories where the government is admitting there are things out there they don't know about and they don't understand. Are they softening us up for a little uh, Project Blue Beam? Could be. I'm telling you. All right. Well, China is certainly softening us up, that's for sure. And that was a horrible segue, but it was a segue nevertheless. I don't know if you saw this or not, but again, I, I told you a couple of shows ago what kind of ridiculous dangers are happening. It's actually very close to my part of the world. Um, yeah, the Taiwan Straits are not all that far away. I mean, it's not close, but it's a lot closer to me than it is to you over there in the U.S. Chinese warships nearly hit a U.S. destroyer in the Taiwan Straits during a joint Canadian-U.S. mission. There, now look at the fog. Wow, incredible. So this, uh, this ship that this reporter was on, and there is, uh, there is the Chinese warship. This has a, an escort ship. This is a friendly, and that's the, uh, that's the escort ship. But take a look here. There's a bit of uh, footage here. I, we're going to have to put up with an ad first, of course. Never fails. Okay, yeah, that's great. Thanks. A new Ford Raptor launching June 9th. There. Got your publicity? Great. Ford Performance from Syme Darby. All right. So here, eventually here, we will get to this footage of this war. There you go. Now, this warship, which was an escort for this other uh, vessel, and this... Chinese, clearly instigated by the Chinese. It was announced over the radio prior to doing it, and it clearly indicated that this was intentional. Um, the Chunhung and Montreal have been sailing together uh, in the South China Sea for nearly a week prior to entering the Taiwan Strait. Chinese warships have been shadowing the Canadian vessel on multiple occasions during its transit. And uh, at this point, he the one ship crossed, there you go, you can see here where this, this one ship crosses right in front of the path, nearly hitting, I think it was 150 nautical miles. Now, when you're out on the ocean traveling at the speeds these ships are traveling at, 100, 150 miles, that ain't very far. And this ship just went pew, right across the bow of the thing. They keep poking and poking. The Chinese told both the Canadian and American ships over the radio systems that they are entering Chinese territory, despite the joint mission taking place in internationally recognized waters. I am hoping it's an isolated incident, that won't happen again for us because we have international law on our side. The U.S. Indo-Pacific Command said in a statement released Saturday, the Chinese warship executed maneuvers in an unsafe manner in the vicinity of Chung Hoon. That's the name of the ship. It's a mess. China is screwing with us and they're poking us. And it's not going to stop until the worst happens. I'm telling you, my friends, it is, it's going to get worse before. I mean, I think at this point, we'd actually welcome an alien invasion as opposed to getting into it with, uh, with the folks at uh, China. All right, let me tell you about one of our sponsors. Just take a quick second. Uh, bear with me if, uh, if you wouldn't mind. They, uh, they pay money to be here and they want to talk to you. And, oh man, I love this company. <laughs> Blackout Coffee. They are fantastic. And not only fantastic because they make a damn good cup of coffee, but because they support our values, who we are, at work, on duty, send coffee to troops. See, they support our troops, our first responders, firemen, policemen. Fully automatic coffee. <laughs> coffee for America's warriors. Duty, family, values, and rights, including the Second Amendment. And Dan Bongino, in fact, has his own <laughs> uh, 
collection at Blackout Coffee. You can check that out, too. I'm a big fan, Dan. And uh, you got to check this company out. Not only do they source the best beans and pick them at exactly the right time and roast them just before they ship them to you, usually within 24 to 48 hours, you will get a fresh roasted bag of absolutely kick-ass, incredible coffee. Support this company because they not only support our conservative values, they support our troops, and they make an incredible kick-butt cup of coffee. Got to do it. Check it out. That is Blackout Coffee. There is a link in our show notes down there, which will get you a special deal. Not only a special deal, but I got you a promo code. You get the deal, and for the first order, you get 20% off. When you use the promo code JS20, J-A-Y-S, like J. Sheldon, J-A-Y-S 20, 20, an extra 20% off on your first order at Blackout Coffee. Trust me, you will be back for more and more and more because this coffee is amazing. All right. I left my heart in San Francisco. However, I did not leave my benefits of owning a home in San Francisco. Take a look at this story. It should surprise absolutely no one. San Francisco homeowners hit hard as residential home values decline. Not just decline. They've lost $280 billion in value. $280 billion, folks. That's not chump change. No surprise, but there you go. F around and find out. The value of resident real estate in crime-ridden San Francisco has dropped significantly in recent years. 16.7%. This contrasts with a more moderate decline of 3.3% in the rest of the country resulting in a difference of about 13.4%. The decline in the housing market in San Francisco has resulted in an additional loss of about $260 billion in the value of residential real estate compared to what would have occurred if the city had followed the pattern shown nationally, according to the research center Hoover Institute. Zillow, which is a real estate marketplace company, projected the value of San Francisco's housing stock was close to $2 trillion, with a T, $2 trillion before the price drop. Ouch. This huge decline is attributed to the city losing over 65,000 residents, which accounts for about 7.5% of their population. People are packing it up and getting the hell out, and I don't blame them. That population loss represents the largest among major cities in the U.S. in recent years. And $260 billion worth of property value, gone with the wind. I hope you're happy. Got all your electric cars running and saving the planet and recycling and not using plastic straws and yeah speaking of which oh i got a i got a brilliant brilliant piece of video for you you know the epa's new standard emissions uh, rules are trying to force a very radical increase in the number of evs electric vehicles strangling the u.s consumer choice imposing the strongest ever green regulation on traditional cars, trucks, other highway vehicles, locomotives. They're doing all they can to squeeze those regular normal vehicles out. Proposed standards, listen to this, will raise vehicle prices on Americans already suffering under inflation and impose impossible to fulfill mandates on the auto industry, which is going to tear that apart, but that's their focus. That's what they're trying to do. 
The U.S. electrical grid and supply chain are nowhere near prepared to support this kind of demand from EV charging. Uh, two EPA officials declined to attend this hearing Congress had and defend the EPA's proposed rules. They wouldn't show up. A blatant attempt at stonewalling accountability, proper oversight. Well, Chairman Comer and Subcommittee Chairman Fallon sent a letter to the EPA Administrator Reagan before the hearing expressing their disapproval over the EPA's actions. Well, check out this. I love this. Listen closely to the answers to these questions. False. President Biden says he wants 50% of new cars to be electric by 2030. True, but I guess now it's 60%. True or false, a typical electric car requires six times the mineral inputs of a, conven of a conventional car. Yes. If 50% of the cars were electric vehicles today, is there enough power on the electric grid to charge them all? Absolutely not, no. You said in your written statement, Mr. Bradbury, I'm going to quote you, if every country in the world achieved its stated EV targets by 2030, the total savings in carbon dioxide emissions would be expected to reduce global temperatures by only 0. 0.0002 degrees Fahrenheit by the year 2100. Given this fact, is it unilaterally gutting the U.S. auto market, critical mineral supply chain, and the grid stability. Is that the solution for addressing the temperature goals? Well, I, I don't think so. True or false, President? <laughs> I don't think so. You see, it's all crap, folks. The power grid can't even handle as many EVs as they want. And they are going to put people out of jobs, put people out of work. This is insane. But you just keep buying it. You just keep drinking the Kool-Aid. Knock yourself out. Hey, this is a... Oh, I hope you've heard of this story because it needs to go viral. The link is in our show notes. Everything we talk about tonight, there's links in our show notes so you can spread it out there among your friends and share it. But this is, as the headline says, this is out-freaking-rageous. I don't know if you saw it or not, but a children's choir was stopped mid-performance while they were singing the national anthem at the U.S. Capitol. Yeah, serious. Serious as a heart attack. The Capitol Police claim it's a form of demonstration. Singing our national anthem. unbelievable there they are it's a brilliant rendition too by the way the rushing brook children's choir interrupted and stopped in the middle of singing the national anthem at statutory hall in the united states capitol the children part of the esteemed rushing brook children's choir had traveled to washington dc last friday for a scheduled capital tour received prior approval received prior approval to sing a short set of patriotic songs inside the historic statutory hall. You don't get much more patriotic than the freaking star-spangled banner. As their voices filled the hall, one of the guides intervened. They got through the entire first verse. You may not even know this, by the way. There is more than one verse to the star-spangled banner. Look it up. It's brilliant. It was told by the Capitol Police that the children had to stop singing immediately. The interruption stunned the young performers, the choir director, and the assembled audience. I think this is worth a listen. Beautiful. 
let's start the second verse. Now watch what happens. And they get stopped. Just like that. Unbelievable. We live in wicked times, my friends. Wow. I saw a report where some congressmen had invited them back uh, to repeat their performance. I hope so. Because that is, that is just beyond the pale. That is un unbelievably wrong. It's the freaking national anthem. And you're going to stop people from singing it. And, and how beautiful was that rendition, too? Absolutely incredible. Well, fortunately, not everybody is woke and stupid and communist and left-wing idiots. And surprise, surprise, Mark Wahlberg is one of them. Look at this. This is from the Daily Mail, links in our show notes. Mark Wahlberg now wants to create Hollywood 2.0 in Nevada, away from woke California and Tinseltown. After leaving behind L.A. and his $90 million home to give his kids a better life, good on you, Marky Mark. He lobbied Nevada state lawmakers to pass a bill that would increase uh, state tax credits for film production from $10 million a year to $190 million a year, a huge encouragement for production companies to do their filming and move to Nevada. He sold his Beverly Hills mansion, bid the Golden State farewell last year in the hopes of giving his children a better life, income tax-free Nevada, by the way, and states have made a push to become the new film capital after all these ridiculous liberal policies have impacted California, California filmmaking, and increased taxes. So yeah, he is lobbying uh, lawmakers, looking to get the tax credits increased. Uh, this quote from him, he says, I'd love to see us building studios, creating jobs, just diversifying the economy. I've moved, I moved my last film here. I'm shooting another film here in the upcoming summertime. Well, good on you, Mark Wahlberg. Fantastic. Great news. A little more details in the article. If you want to check it out, please do uh, check it out. It is in our show notes tonight. And by the way, while you're there, take a look. Look at that. That's the Jay Sheldon Show mug. That's the official one right there. Gorgeous ceramic mug. Nice size mug, too. Holds a good cup of blackout coffee. And you can find mugs, T-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, all kinds of cool material from The Jay Sheldon Show at the top link in our show notes. And below that, the next one down, is our special limited-time AI gallery. Beautiful canvas prints from The Jay Sheldon Show created by AI and limited edition. There's only 10 units of each item. Once 10 are sold, they're gone. Each one is signed by me, by the way. Check it out. It's in our show notes, top link. All right. When did you lose your virginity? What? No, I'm serious. When did you lose your, what age did you lose your virginity? Wait, think I'm going to answer that? Actually, I guess I could answer that. I have to think about it, though. I don't actually remember what age I was. I want to say I was... 
16 or 17. That's all I'm going to say about that. All right. There is a Twitter account called stats underscore feed. It's called the world of statistics. Take a look at the average age people lose their virginity. I'm going to start at the bottom of the list. Check this out. Iceland was the lowest at 15.6. That's 15 years of age. Denmark, 16. Sweden, 16. Norway, Finland, Israel, Bulgaria, Portugal, all 16 point something. 17 is uh, 17 years old. Belgium. I would have thought they would be even lower. Chile, Czech Republic, Austria, Croatia, Ireland, Brazil, Germany, Slovakia, uh, Slovakia, New Zealand. Wow, the U.S. and the U.K. is at 18 and above. 18 years old when they lost their virginity. 19, Japan, Nigeria, Vietnam, 20 years old, Hong Kong. China, Singapore, 22 years old. The average age people lost their virginity. And take a look at this. Malaysia, 23 years old. From 16 all the way to 15 in Iceland, all the way to 23 for my home country, Malaysia. That's weird. That's more than weird. That is surprising, to say the least surprising. <laughs> All right. I think I got... Yes, I do. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I may play this every show because it's just that funny. You know what a flying squirrel is? Basically, it's like any other squirrel, except between its, its arms and its leg, its front arms and its back paws, it's got an extra flap of skin. And so when it launches itself off of a tree, it can actually glide and fly. It's okay, it's flying, but they're not, you know, it, it, it's going to go down, but it's a controlled flying going down. Flying squirrels, look them up. Apparently, this one is a pet, and apparently this one has figured out how to get people's attention. Like the tweet says, this flying squirrel faked its own death and created a whole crime scene, apparently just for attention. Watch this. There's the flying squirrel. Now watch what he does. Comes out. Knocks over the, the broom. Wait, wait, it gets better. He's, look at this. He's, he's pretending the thing hit him. There, look. <laughs> oh my God. It's like he's sprawled out on a death scene here. Look at this. <laughs> He's looking around saying like, is anybody watching? Are they, have they noticed me yet? Have they noticed me? I'm dead. I'm dead. I might be dead. I'm at least I'm badly injured. <laughs> it just flies there. Oh my God. That is, <laughs> he said, oh great. Nobody's paying attention to me. I better do it a little longer. Okay, enough, enough, enough. The link to that tweet is in our show notes. Please do check it out. It is it is beyond funny. Share that out on your social media. <laughs> oh, my. Okay, it's time for our book. Uh, I need a break after that. Hang on. <coughs> Knew what he was doing, right? Oh, man. All right. We read books on this show. Normally, we do a child's, a children's a classic literature, Peter Pan, The Wizard of Oz, The Little Prince, uh, Alice in Wonderland. Uh, 
uh, Winnie the Pooh. But uh, somebody suggested, and uh, we uh, we agree wholeheartedly that we are living in 1984, and so we ought to be reading 1984. So we are. We're all the way up to chapter nine, as a matter of fact, and we will continue now with chapter nine of George Orwell's 1984. It was the middle of the morning. Winston had left the cubicle to go to the lavatory. A solitary figure was coming towards him from the other end of the long, brightly lit corridor. It was a girl with dark hair. Four days had gone past since the evening when he'd run into her outside the junk shop. As she came nearer, he saw her right arm was in a sling, not noticeable at a distance because it was the same color as her overalls. Probably she'd crushed her hand while swinging around one of those big kaleidoscopes on which the plots of novels were roughed in. It was a common accident in the fiction department. There were perhaps four meters apart when the girl stumbled and fell almost flat on her face. A sharp cry of pain was wrung out of her. She must have fallen right on the injured arm. Winston stopped short. The girl had risen to her knees, her face had turned a milky yellow color against which her mouth stood out redder than ever. Her eyes were fixed on his with an appealing expression that looked more like fear than pain. A curious emotion stirred in Winston's heart. In front of him was an enemy who was trying to kill him. In front of him, also, was a human creature, in pain and perhaps with a broken bone. Already he'd instinctively started forward to help her. In the moment when he'd seen her fall on the bandaged arm, it had been as though he felt the pain in his own body. You hurt, he said. That's nothing, my arm. It'll be all right in a second. She spoke as though her heart were fluttering. She had certainly turned very pale. You haven't broken anything. No, no, I'm, I'm all right. It, it hurts only for a moment, that's all. She held out her free hand to him, and he helped her up. She'd regained some of her color and appeared very much better. It's nothing, she repeated shortly. I, I only gave my wrist a bit of a bang. Thanks, comrade. And with that, she walked out on the direction in which she'd been going, as briskly as though really had been nothing. The whole incident couldn't have taken as much as half a minute. Not to let one's feelings appear in one's face was a habit that had acquired the status of an instinct. And, in any case, they'd been standing straight in front of a telescreen when the thing happened. Nonetheless, it had been very difficult not to betray a momentary surprise. For in the two or three seconds while he was helping the girl up, had slipped something into his hand. There was no question she'd done it intentionally. It was something small, flat. As he passed through the lavatory door, he transferred it to his pocket and felt it with the tip of his fingers. It was a scrap of paper folded into a square. While he stood at the urinal, he managed, with a little more fingering, to get it unfolded. Obviously, there must be a message of some kind written on it. For a moment, he was tempted to take it into one of the water closets and read it at once. But that would have been a shocking folly, as he knew well. There was no place you could be more certain that the telescreens were watched continuously. He went back to his cubicle, sat down through the fragment of paper, casually among the other papers on his desk, put on his spectacles and hitched the speak right towards him. Five minutes, he told himself. Five minutes at the very least. His heart bumped in his breast with frightening loudness. Fortunately, the piece of work he was engaged on was mere routine. The rest, uh, recitification of a long list of figures and doesn't need close attention. Whatever is written on that paper, it must have some kind of political meaning. So far as he could see, there were two possibilities. One, 
much the more likely, was that the girl was an agent of the Thought Police, just as he had feared. He did not know why the Thought Police should choose to deliver their messages in such a fashion, but perhaps they had their reasons. The thing that was written upon the paper might be a threat, a summons, an order to commit suicide, a trap of some description. But there was another wider possibility that kept raising its head, though he tried vainly to suppress it. This was that the message did not come from the thought police, but from some kind of underground organization. Perhaps the Brotherhood existed after all. Perhaps the girl was part of it. No doubt the idea was absurd, but it had sprung into his mind in the very instant of feeling the scrap of paper in his hand. It was not till a couple of minutes later that the other, more probable explanation had occurred to him. And even now, though his intellect told him the message probably meant death, still that was not what he believed, and the unreasonable hope persisted, and his heart banged. And it was with difficulty that he kept his voice from trembling as he murmured his figures into the speakwrite. He rolled up the completed bundle of work, slid it into the pneumatic tube. Eight minutes had gone by. He readjusted his spectacles on his nose, sighed, and drew the next batch of work towards him with the scrap of paper on top of it. He flattened it out. On it was written, in a large, unformed handwriting, I love you. For several seconds, he was too stunned even to throw the incriminating thing into the memory hole. When he did so, although he knew very well the danger of showing too much interest, he could not resist reading it again once more, just to make sure the words were really there. For the rest of the morning, it was very difficult to work. That was even worse than having to focus his mind on a series of niggling jobs that it was the need to conceal his agitation from the telescreen. He felt as though the fire was burning in his belly. Lunch in the hot, crowded, noise-filled canteen was torment. He had hoped to be alone for a little while during the lunch hour, but as bad luck would have it, the imbecile Parsons flopped down beside him, the tang of his sweat almost defeating the tinny smell of stew, and kept a stream of talk about the preparations for hate week. He was particularly enthusiastic about a papier-mâché model of Big Brother's head, two meters wide, which was being made for the occasion by his daughter's troop of spies. The irritating thing was that the racket of voices Winston could hardly hear what Parsons was saying and was constantly having to ask for some fatuous remark to be repeated. Just once he caught a glimpse of the girl at a table with two other girls at the far end of the room. She appeared not to have seen him, and he did not look in that direction again. The afternoon was more bearable. Immediately after lunch, there arrived a delicate, difficult piece of work which would take several hours and necessitated putting everything else aside. It consisted in falsifying a series of production reports of two years ago in such a way as to cast discredit on a prominent member of the inner party who was now under a cloud. This was the kind of thing Winston was good at, and for more than two hours he succeeded in shutting the girl out of his mind altogether. And then the memory of her face came back, and with it a raging, intolerable desire to be alone. Until he could be alone, it was impossible to think this new development out. Tonight was one of his nights at the community center. He wolfed another tasteless meal in the canteen, hurried off to the center, 
took part in the solemn foolery of a discussion group, played two games of table tennis, swallowed several glasses of gin, and sat for half an hour through a lecture entitled Ingsoc in Relation to Chess. His soul writhed with boredom. But for once, he had no impulse to shirk his evening at the center. At the sight of the words, I love you, the desire to stay alive had welled up in him, and in the taking of minor risks suddenly seemed stupid. Wasn't till 23 hours when he was home and in bed in the darkness where you were safe even from the telescreens so long as you kept silent. And he was able to think continuously. It was a physical problem that needed to be solved. How to get in touch with the girl. How to arrange a meeting. And that's where we'll leave it for tonight in Chapter 9, about halfway through. Interesting development in our 1984. Wow. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us. Thanks so much. Be sure and check out our sponsors, the great deals we've got for you for a limited time and some of those, so check them out. They're in our show notes down below. And, of course, all the links to everything we talked about tonight, you will find it there also. I will see you again tomorrow. Good night.